welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck, Leland McRae with me as usual. And Leland, let's dive right into high school football from this weekend. Let's start with the big game of the weekend. That was Riverheads at Stewart's Draft. It was a draft lead at halftime, but like Lord Botetot the week before, the second half, different story, and Riverheads shut them out in the second half and then kind of just controlled it. And what was different about this game and last game is is that draft really knows how to play Riverheads. And uh, they, they came in with a perfect game plan, but on top of that, their execution of it was really great. And, you know, it... I haven't seen a lot of that in 40 games, 40 plus games. And uh, that East Rock game that was the last Riverheads loss probably could be said this way. But also I think back to that Stanton game when Stanton beat Riverheads um, that season when Stanton was on their way to a state championship run of just the execution being so good. Um, so that's what kind of rattled <laughs> the Riverheads fan side of me was, man, they're really executing well. Caden uh, Cook-Cash only has 12 yards. Really not Caden Cook-Cash's uh, fault. Uh, he was breaking tackles to get three yards. You know, he was fighting through contact, breaking tackles, falling forward to get the three yards. He had 12 yards at halftime. It was just the blocking wasn't there, and people weren't getting to where they should and then moving people or even creating holes. And um, I, I said Stewart's Travel was playing tougher, and they were getting to the spots, and they were playing tougher uh, than Riverheads, which – Never, never happens. I mean, not absolutely never. We just saw some, but like you just don't see it often. Uh, and that's not what was happening last week at Lord Botetite. You know, Lord Botetite was just a free for all. You know, um, just I wouldn't say Lord Botetite was out toughening Riverhead by any means being in that football game. It was the speed and the and the playmaking ability was was putting a lot of points up against Riverheads. But as you said, the halftime adjustments were great. Uh, the getting people to the right places was fixed. At halftime, uh, particularly, I mean, the defense wasn't terrible in the first half. They only gave up 10 points, but absolutely shut them down after the, a lot of three and outs after that. Um, but then offensively, the blocking was better. There was holes being created. And some of that was, you know, making sure you're getting your shoulder pad on the right guy's thigh pad. But also, I think there might have been some motivational speaking during halftime. Uh, you couldn't hear it from the press box. Uh, I kind of listened because I thought you might be, be able to. But uh, <laughs> you could. It was. it was obvious that the fire was there in the second half. And uh, those kids wanted to, to get the win against Stewart's draft. I'm not going to say they wanted to get win number 40. They wanted to get the win over the school eight miles that has provided them a good challenge these last couple of years. So the second half quickly, uh, I was, you know, hopping in on radio with you guys. And as I was on the radio with you kind of giving a review of the first half, that was when the game shifted. Um, I think the, the paper kind of credited it to a interception before halftime. I, I, I kind of looked at that second half. Stewart Strap got the ball first. They got the big stop, and then Riverheads immediately started driving the ball, and we're immediately getting yards every carry. And that that was when I think the home crowd said, "Oh no!" <laughs> and I think I audibly heard that standing on the press box on that side. So it was all Riverheads from there, and and no disrespect for draft. I just I think Riverheads just showed they're the better team. You know that they finally I think Stewart Draft was doing a good job at playing tough and being where they need to be and have good execution. Um, but I think Riverheads has a better collection of talent throughout the field than Stewart's draft. And I think that showed in the second half when both teams were, were playing with a little bit of more fire with, with fire. I think Stewart's draft did the whole game and Riverheads 
finally got going there. And uh, it just showed that Riverhead's kind of had that advantage there. So they play again. And I think that's why I kind of go into that factor of who I thought was the better team, um, which is Riverhead's. But, like, I think it showed in that second half. And so we'll see what kind of the, how the chess match goes from here. You don't have this often, especially uh, in this area where two teams play each other twice in regular season. You know, this is the NFL where you play your division teams twice. You know, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see how the chess match goes when they go into that game what Coach Floyd has changed, what Riverheads has changed, or what's, what's, what's the next step in this. And I have faith in both coaches that there'll be something. It won't, it won't just be what we saw in the, in the fourth quarter coming out on the field there. It's, we're going to see the next step to it. So uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I, I think – I don't know. I think if Stuart Trapp was going to win a game, it would have been this first one. So for me, and I think – They gave a heck of an effort to do oh, it. Oh, sure. <laughs> they, I, know in the, I know they had a halftime yeah. lead and – you know, but I think seeing those halftime adjustments, I just it just makes me feel like, OK, there's going to be more adjustments right before the second matchup. And I've kind of no offense to Coach Floyd. He's a great coach. He's gotten his team to back to back state championship games. But I think seeing the the adjustments and all that that you saw just at halftime. Now you're asking me which one's going to make better adjustments for a second matchup. Uh, I think it's probably going to be the guy who could do it on the fly. So. I think I think Riverheads has that advantage. Uh, I think Riverheads is going to win that game by three scores as well. So I, I just – and, again, that's not knocking Stewart's draft. I think Riverheads isn't going to play a game within three scores the rest of the year. I think Taswell is going to get some this weekend, I think, is when they play them. So it's going to be rough for, for just about anybody. Yeah, I, I can't – argue with you i think that that late season finale is gonna be all about the robbery again i mean you know you say coach floyd does a good job getting his team to save that last game of the season is going to mean nothing towards that i mean maybe some power points now that uh it could be two losses against riverheads but you're still gonna have a lot of power points if, if they do lose that game uh from riverheads um so it, there might be some power points at play about home field advantage maybe because i don't see draft losing any other games um but we'll see we'll see when we get there i those two teams played, both teams were going to be the ones moving forward. I don't know how that plays with this early season loss to the same team. Uh, but, yeah, I think it'll be minimal to play for. It'll all be about the rivalry. Um, but I do think Riverheads has the advantage. I just think it's a better collection of players. I think it's a better collection of players, and that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I think some of that will also depend on, you know, maybe Central or – yeah. Something like that, but if, central loss. If that bull so, run beats up on each other some, it might make it easier for draft just to stay a high I was gonna seed. Say, and Clark, if one of those teams takes off, then draft might not be able to achieve a top seed. Clark beating central helps. But um, Wilson, they played Wayne's. I don't think Clark's going undefeated. I, just I, don't, don't. I, I don't either. Strasburg's yeah. maybe the team now that maybe has the best shot at going undefeated, I think, in the bull run. But I don't know if I, they do. So I just have this feeling they're going to beat up on each other. I think that period I don't think there, you're wrong. And I, I just think I think everybody's going to at least have one loss, and I think there'll be some good teams with two losses. So um, I don't think you're make wrong. Make sure there. our listeners make sure you listen uh, to the next segment. We have Cody Elliott on. We talk about some bull run district stuff that's very interesting. Um, so make sure you tune in for that. Wilson played Waynesboro. That's the game I went to. Uh, this was a game where I kind I kind the forty-one to eighteen scores a bit misleading. Uh, it was more of a thirty-four to eighteen final uh and even that there were moments where that game was close and for waynesboro it just got away when they started to need 
needing to go for it on fourth down and couldn't get it. I think Waynesboro has great upside. I think their quarterback, Blake Jones, is very good. I would like to I've see. I've been telling you. Yeah, I'd like to see <laughs> maybe put in better situations. And by that, I mean allow him to build his confidence. It felt to me there were too many plays that were designed for just the home run ball. And that's the one part of his game that he doesn't have right now. And that's fine. Because if he did, he'd be a D1 prospect and he'd be going yeah. to play D1. He's got a body. He's got yeah. good decision making. Yeah. So I'd like to see more of the intermediate to short routes. I thought he did a good job in those. Uh, he did throw a pick six, which hurt him early. But outside of that, I thought he was pretty disciplined with the football. I thought he did a good job. Wilson's secondary was great on those home run balls. They were there step for step. And um, I, I thought the other aspect of Waynesboro, before I move on to Wilson, was Ryan Barber. I mean, that guy, every yard he got, it felt like was after contact. I mean, he was bulldozing people, shaking people, and just dragging them down the field and at times into the end zone. I, I just came away so impressed with Ryan Barber's performance that I just I was amazed. And um, I want to say Coach Jarvis there at Waynesboro has got – he has turned that program around. I am very impressed from what I have seen in his short time there uh, compared to other Waynesboro teams. And that's not me saying those other coaches aren't good. I'm just saying Coach Jarvis is doing a phenomenal job there at Waynesboro. And if I was a Waynesboro Little Giants fan, I would be very yeah. happy about what the future holds there for Waynesboro. Doing a good job coming in, doing the right thing at the right time. I think that's yes. probably the difference between him and other coaches. It says everything's kind of aligning a little bit better, yep. uh, particularly, um, you know, Coach McDaniel had success. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and then it fell off. And then um, their last coach there, it, it was trying to pick it up out of nothing. And it just it didn't jive the way he wanted it to. And it wasn't like an effort out of him. We, we had him on as a guest. And I thought everything he said seemed like the right approach. You, you felt like it would work. And it just you didn't see that. So I, I'm happy for them. I, you know, I want all of our teams to win in. Um, and it's hard to have all of them win in at one time. It, it's kind of impossible, actually. So uh, I'm glad Waynesboro is, has the up and the positive that we haven't been able to say for them the last years. I keep saying that they're going to start winning games in these next couple of weeks, and we're not going to have to talk about those last couple of years soon. They're going to they're going to win some games here in the district. Uh, here, they've already played. They're only playing district games right now. Yeah, I think they're going to have some success in the valley district games. They have at the end of the season non district for them now. Uh, so that'll be fun to to get those ahead of us. I agree. Uh, now talking about Wilson, Noah Campbell stole the show. He was a great runner, and that's the thing I came away with. I you know I talked about the during that game I was like look I know it's easy to look at the running backs at Riverheads and look at Aaron Nice and say wow those guys are great but the the running backs between Ryan Barber at Waynesboro and Noah Campbell at Wilson I I left that game saying this district right now those four teams are I think above and have separated themselves beyond the other three I think Wilson is, I think it's Riverheads, step down, draft, step down, Wilson. And then I think it's a a step down to Waynesboro. Maybe Gap is on that same step or maybe like a half step below Waynesboro. And then um, I I think you take a 
another big step down to Stanton and Ford. But I, I came away thoroughly impressed with the ability Wilson has to run the ball with Noah Campbell. And even Skylar Whitting uh, was a good runner as well. And I just, I felt like watching that team, uh, and this was the first time I got to see them all year, I was impressed with what they were able to do offensively and even at times defensively finally you know like I said in the secondary finding a way to take away that passing game that Blake Jones and Waynesboro do have Um, there were some of those home run balls that if Wilson didn't have defenders step for step with the receiver those are touchdowns and then Waynesboro is maybe closer in the game and maybe if it's closer then they don't have to go forward on forward down some of these times and who knows what happens but I I thought Wilson played a great game on homecoming, and I think for them, it's another team. I, I still don't think they're in the same neighborhood as Riverheads or Draft, but I think they are a team that could be a tough out in the 3C playoffs. Yeah, and I obviously agree You know that Wilson's been that third team I've been talking about since – since last spring, I, I've been saying I think Wilson, you know, I think Wilson established themselves with that, as that third team when they beat Gap last spring. And then I saw what they had coming back, and I thought it's going to continue. If they have an answer at quarterback, not a quarterback that is, you know, Peyton Manning out there throwing the ball all over the field and, you know, controlling the game with his arm, but has the threat of, of something with his arm, but also can lead that offense and, and be that guy and be that consistent guy to take the snap, I think it's important. And, you know, I – all I heard in preseason is that they have that. And so I'm glad, you know, the game showed you that they are a good team. And maybe it wasn't, you know, a highlight film for the quarterback this week at, at Wilson. I know uh, Campbell had a big game, and he had a big game their other game they had. You know, he has uh, he has the uh, breakaway ability and, and to the house mentality of once he gets to that line of scrimmage, he turns on the Jets and goes. And so I think that's fun for Wilson. You know, athleticism at Wilson – Generally, generally hasn't been the problem. When they had their success and, and their run to the state championship, they had a lot of athleticism. They were putting uh, – one of their players went to Tulsa, I believe, and played. Uh, one of their running backs, I think it was McCauley, and they had a, another guy, a, a DB, I think, go play for Navy. I, I, if I'm misspeaking on names, uh, uh, forgive me. But they had talent. They had the athleticism and talent. It was just that toughness and putting it all together that, you know – was the difference between when they went on those good runs, they had that toughness, and when they dropped down a little bit there and weren't making the playoffs, you know, you weren't seeing that toughness as well. And so uh, I'm optimistic it's back. I think they're going to go into those games against Riverheads and Scrooge expecting wins. We don't expect that, but they're going to go into those games expecting wins, and it won't be as far-fetched as what we talk about when Fort Defiance goes and plays those games. And, and so credit to them. It, it's, it's what's fun about this schedule coming up here. Uh, you you circling back a little bit to Waynesboro right there. You talked about, hey, they're kind of right there with or right behind Waynesboro or right behind Waynesboro and is gap with them or not. They play in two weeks. And, you know, Stanton up until this week was hoping they were in that conversation. Waynesboro and Stanton play this week. So these next two weeks are great for the middle of that district and seeing what we got and who can contend. And I think we're going to see, you know, who's 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 ready to kind of keep moving upward and and help their season go more successfully the rest of the way, but then also set themselves up for us having expectations next year. Cause you, you got to build, you know, you so rarely see a team go 0 and 10 to 10 and 0. Uh, so you kind of got to build, you got to have that three and seven year and then that seven and three year and then, and you build up. And so you want to see if this is, is more of like a six and four year for, for Waynesboro or 
four and six, you know, somewhere around 500. And, and these next two weeks are big for Waynesboro for that. But I think for Wilson, we've established last year with four and two regular season, they are, you know, that was their six and four year, you know, can they find a way to be seven and three and, um, or, or find even another win, which would be incredible. So uh, we'll see what they have. They have, you know, we looked at it as a tough schedule for Wilson at the beginning of the year. We, we've said that, and we're not backing off that, though I think the the game against Spotswood looks less scary than we would have assumed before, but they still have the Western Alabama game after that. So those are those are some challenges, and they still haven't played Riverheads or Traps. So they still have challenges ahead of them, but I, I like where they're sitting 2-0 and right now. Um, I think they'd be 3-0 and if they had played Rockbridge, so you can't ask for anything more out of Wilson at this point. Yeah, and uh, let's go ahead and move on to the, do I guess, and start talking about the reason I think Waynesboro's better than Stanton now, and Stanton isn't on that same step. They took a rough one against Rockbridge, 47-8, to and Rockbridge had kind of been in a not good place in their season, and so to see them explode for points the way they did, it kind of, as, as good as we talked about Stanton in their performance against Page, and like, okay, maybe this Stanton team is better than we thought. This is kind of the Stanton team I had been expecting. A, a, a team that struggles defensively and struggles to get the offense going. Well, that was kind of, they almost reverted back to last year's Stanton. And maybe, I, I'm not there, I didn't see the game. But maybe some of that is Rockbridge came out flat Breaking at the beginning up. of the year and finally figured it out and turned it on. And some coach post and, you know, put the fear into him or whatever. But for me, it would be a concerning sign for Stanton that this game went so poorly. Yeah, and I, I think the answer is probably in the middle. Like like most things we say on this podcast, where uh, particularly you might have an extreme or extreme one way or the other, and, and, and sometimes I'm right there with you. You know, the answer is somewhere in the middle. I, I don't think uh, this is the Stanton team from last year. I think the wins that we already saw – have already proven that it's not last year's Stanton team. This was just a bad moment no, that reminded yeah. you of last year. Um, but I do have more questions about Stanton than I was having before. I was ready to put them up there as, uh, you know, contended in that middle ground, and this game doesn't give you any confidence in that. And and their defense just not being there is is troublesome. You, you, if Stanton lost this game close or something, I, we're not saying the same things. We're, we're like, okay, that was a – you know, you wanted to get that win, but Rockbridge, you know, they have a good quarterback and, you know, they generally have good athlete. You know, you kind of make up the, not make up, but you, you talk about <laughs> what the facts are. That you're doing. But getting blown out is just, I think, a bad look for a team that I don't have a lot of faith in and from Rockbridge, a team that Perry McCore, you know, kept in check. So I, I want to see Stanton rebound well this week. But they're also playing Waynesboro, the team I want to see kind of prove something this week. So that's what makes this matchup this week against Stanton and Waynesboro so interesting is that it's two teams that, you know, I want to see perform well and, 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 and do good things and take what happened last year and kind of throw it away. And, and not saying both can't come out of this game with positives, but only one team can get a win. And I think both teams really need this win, really want this one, really want to build off this win to go along the rest of the way. And it'll really help their, their mental – aptitude going forward so we'll, we'll see what we get and I, I but I do think the the difference between win and loss this week does mean more than some some other games we talk about just just talking last week Rockbridge and Stanton if even with a close loss maybe we wouldn't have looked at as bad I, I think win or loss means everything to these teams this week 
the, you know, the two city rivals within side within the limits of Augusta County. I, I love this game's happening. I love that it's district again. Yeah, I think it's going to matter a lot. And, you know, I think for Waynesboro, we talked about some potential wins against Valley District teams and what that might mean, depending on how many of them they can pick off. I mean, I think the Stanton game is important because you're going to need that win. If yeah. you want to maybe, you know, when PowerPoint start coming out, if you want to see if there's a way you can sneak in at an eight, losing this game, that's not an option. So you got to be 500 or better to even yep. have your eyes open to the playoffs. And, and I, you know, six and four <laughs> and that Valley District. I mean, look at what that Valley district, uh, uh, excuse me, class three C region three C was last year with, with Valley district teams. Um, the Valley District loser that was one loss in the spring, TA, didn't make the playoffs. So it's a competitive playoff field produced out of Class 3C teams. And that's because you got the Jefferson and Seminole, who usually there's good teams in there, but also they play some really good non-district teams uh, from from Region 3D and in uh, uh, other schools. So they, they have a potential to have good PowerPoints, even with losses uh, to some of those schools. So it's, it's important to get every win you can in 3C. And, uh, you know, talking about playoffs for Waynesboro, we're on the line even talking about it. But winning this game, if you lose this game, that's not going to – That line's you're erased. You're not going to yeah. find it. You're still going to be looking for victories. I think there's still victories out there for Waynesboro, but I, I think this is very important for Waynesboro. But the same for Stanton. I think you, you have a lot of hard games ahead of you. You're going to want this win too. Uh, so, yeah. I don't just, see – tough. Yeah, I don't, I don't see playoffs don't for Stanton. I don't um, either, but just building on the rest of the season, looking at sure. the schedule, that that this, the record's going to start looking a lot worse. No, I agree. Just that one loss more. and <laughs> I agree with that. Want that for those guys. This was a team I was worried about, and uh, they had they were proving me wrong. They were in the process of proving me wrong, but you want to see uh, you want to see a win this week. All right. As I sneeze off air. <laughs> well, let's move on to Buffalo Gap. They found a way to beat East Rockingham with an extra point. So who knew? They kicked it. Buffalo Gap decides <laughs> to kick it. It ends up winning them the game. Uh, w- wow. But I want to try that after the first touchdown. Like, they don't like to do that. It seems like they score the – they're always winning – or, or their first touchdown is always six or eight. It's never, it's never seven. You just might want to try those sevens and see if you, if you like that. If you can get used to scoring seven at a time. Ugh. Yeah. Um, this is a game that is a little bit closer than I thought it would be. Uh, and this is another game where for Buffalo Gap, I think. You, you thought East Rock would win, didn't you? I didn't pick East Rock, I don't think. Oh, you didn't? Uh, hey, it's the back first time listen. Gap's ever beat East Rock. So we, if you thought Gap was going to win, then we all picked against uh, the history. So, yeah, hey, you guys got to move forward. I just, I would be a win's a win, and you'll take it. But for Buffalo yes. Gap, I would be a little concerned looking at the district and seeing the way Wilson is doing, seeing the way Waynesboro is doing. Up until yeah. this last week, seeing how Stanton was doing even. That would worry me if I'm Buffalo Gap because I don't think any of those are slam dunk wins necessarily. I think all of those are going to be tough, tough games for Buffalo Gap, and I don't think they run the table on those. It's because their offense 
lets him be. I, you know, I don't think their defense generally is is terrible. Um, right. I don't know if it's actually playing top notch this year, really. So, I, but I, I I look to that offense. You got to score. You just got to score. And I think they live points on the table with their kicking game, like we already said. But I, I just they're going to have a hard stretch coming here. They got they got a very they got Bath County this week, which I think is actually going to get played. How about that? Uh, and then they got the Waynesboro game, which I think is anybody's ball game. But then you got the Riverheads and draft games back to back. And so whew, you got to do whatever it takes to have as much positive before you get to week seven and play Riverheads. Um, I know they'll go into that game and they'll be told they can win it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That ain't yeah. gonna happen. And, and, I, and then the, what I saw from the draft team, that's another team that seems to have gaps number. I, it's just, you're not, I don't think they even need to have their number. I think draft's better than gap. So, yeah, do whatever you can to have positives these next two weeks. This week is an easy opportunity to have positives. Get your offense worked out. I don't care what the score is. Play your starters well into the third quarter and score and put up points. And I don't care if it, it looks bad. Score. So that you have that confidence going into the Waynesboro game because you're going to have to score against Waynesboro. Waynesboro's going to score on Gap. Gap's got to be ready for that. I agree. Fort Defiance, they took a tough loss to Broadway, 42-8. to eight. Uh, This is just they kind of... They around a little bit. I was surprised with that. Yeah, but I think I think this is just going to be like we've said before. This is just going to be a rough year if you're a Fort fan. It's not your year. Ultimately rough. Yeah, I don't I don't see any moments of positives <laughs> on the win loss column. So yeah. yeah, I don't have much to say about the Valley no. District games, <sighs> other than um, I guess we should touch on Madison County's not playing next week due to uh, poor sportsmanship. They're forfeiting a game. Because to page county yeah there's there's some social media stuff out there that um it's not i assumed it was bathroom destroying stuff since that way we kind of heard about last week on social media and i was just assumed it was something like that and i thought that was bad enough um it's i'll worse. just let people find it but there was inappropriate behavior in the locker room afterward uh in the direction of the opposing school um so uh everything i heard only backed up more that yeah they don't need to play this week uh those boys don't deserve to play football this week so um sorry that i'm burying the the facts of the matter i just i'll let social media educate people on what happened because it's still out there which is disturbing in itself so um yeah that's the news kind of on this side of the state i think is there's a forfeited football game right there and page county's gonna get a win due to covid yeah and, and you hate that. Honestly, you hate it for Page County because Page County uh, had a lot. They had homecoming set up. They were going to dedicate the stadium uh, to Buddy Comer up there this week. And so they kind of got to reestablish that stuff. And they were going to have a, a good Friday night, uh, a lot of positives, but just a lot of negative coming from Madison County, who got a win that they had. I mean, they had not won. They have not done a lot of winning lately. I can't say that was some long losing streak or not, but I know they – are very down as a program for a program that has had so much success and a, and a legendary coach that they had uh, in Eddie Dean. Um, you know, they've been really down and yeah, over the last three seasons, a handful of wins and um, they didn't win at all in the spring. They had only won one in 2019. So uh, they got a big win against William Monroe, who's actually beat Spotswood this year. And, and, and William Monroe was, you know, not, not just another, bad football team as bad football team so they got a big win a big two-point victory and then they just spoil it and uh it's a shame uh you know 
it's a real shame. So I, if you don't look up what it is, I'll just tell you that it, no doubt they don't deserve to play football this week. So you mentioned Gap. They're going to Bath County. Riverheads, I mentioned, is going to Tazewell. Draft, they have James River. That should be an easy win for them. Fort plays Rockbridge. Uh, Stanton plays Waynesboro. That's a big matchup. It's where the radio will be. And then Wilson, they will be going to Spotswood. And I think for I, I Wilson, mean, that's a game you kind of need to have. I think we both think Wilson will win, though. I think yeah. uh, Spotswood did wake up. They played Charlottesville and beat Charlottesville. So uh, we thought it could be a worse season for Spotswood than that. But I think Wilson wins that football game. I think you agree. Uh, Stanton, w- Waynesboro, I think it's a toss-up, and we'll see what happens. Waynesboro probably slightly favored, I'd, I'd say, at this point. You're agreeing. Uh, Rockbridge is going to be Fort. Draft will be James River. Riverhead's going to be Taswell. Taswell, I know, played Riverhead's tough last year. Taswell lost a lot. And uh, I think Riverhead's will go on that business trip and take care of it. That's a Saturday game. Uh, heads up to anybody listening that's headed to that game. Uh, Taswell, you gotta gotta go. You gotta go through Blacksburg or at least near Blacksburg to get to that game. Blacksburg has a is hosting a noon game, <laughs> so traffic. You might want to go ahead and get the car ready and leave early for that one. So and Gap will beat Bath County. So I think this week's a lot of games. We know what's going to happen. I think Rady. I think you. I think you and Chip will be on the call this week, and uh, you guys are going to have the game that has the most intrigue and uh i love it i like that's an old you know that's the valley district rivalry between stanton and waynesboro i mean that that rivalry's existed as long as those schools existed so i'm, I'm glad we're seeing that we we missed it for a couple of years so it'll be good yep going to volleyball fort defiance they got two big wins in the district last week they're eight and one overall they started the district off two and oh riverheads they beat buffalo gap but they're still four and five overall Buffalo Gap was that team we had talked about last week, Leland, that kind of needed to have a good showing this week. And unfortunately for Buffalo Gap, they lost to both Riverheads and then also Wilson. Yeah, you thought maybe Gap is kind of putting themselves in that upper three kind of thing. And I think now it looks like Wilson uh, said, no, nah, we're we're still that third team that you're used to seeing in this spot. So, uh, but they'll get a chance for a rematch. I, I you know, I think Gap's had a lot of positives here. You, you don't just give up after that. I mean, obviously, as a, as a team, you obviously wouldn't. But, like, I yeah. think watching them, I, you know, I could see a split with Wilson or something. But uh, definitely a step back from what we were seeing out of Gap early. Mentioned Wilson. They uh, they lose to Fort, but they do beat Gap. So, I just, again, I you know, to recap volleyball, I think Fort Defiance has continued to set themselves apart from the rest of the district. Yeah. And, Riverheads does appear to be that second place team right now, but Wilson, I'm sure will have something to say about that. And that'll be an interesting matchup. And we'll see if, if Wilson can beat Riverheads or if uh, gap can maybe take out Wilson the next time. I think that's going to be interesting. I think the rest of the district, no offense to those teams, but it, they're just not there with those three to four. Yeah, but I would not rule out draft or Stanton knocking off one of those. Sure. Especially, especially the gap or Wilson's, but um, you know, draft has some talent continually through there. Uh, They've just been set back with, with being away from the court. Yeah. And uh, Stanton, they beat Turner Ashby two weeks ago. So they have the capability of winning games against solid programs. So um, it's not the doldrums there for those next two teams. But I, I do think Waynesboro, they've been a step back recently in volleyball and uh, they've battled. They have no on-court experience this year as they've only got to play their opener and haven't played since. So I think they're definitely going to be 
uh, behind the curve, and it's going to be hard for them to kind of make up that, that gap the rest of the way. Talking about college football, let's, I, I guess we've delayed this long enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, this was just kind of the Fuente reminding you that he's still the coach and that there's going to be games where at the end of the game, you're questioning why you do this to yourself on Saturdays and why you watch this team. Because and I put it on Twitter at one point and I, I stand by it. The most frustrating part about being a Virginia Tech fan is knowing that sometimes you're the better team and you still find ways to lose. We were better than West Virginia. We absolutely were the better team in that game. Had to be. To, to our, coaches, our coaches were the worst coaches this side of the Mississippi River. I mean, that I don't understand how you get in the red zone inside the 10, three separate drives, and get zero points three separate times. That is amazing. The one before halftime was him being an idiot. You're running the ball down their throat. And I know the announcers on TV are like, oh, you got to call a timeout here. There's 20 seconds left. If you can't run two plays from the three-yard line in 20 seconds, turn in your whistle, you dumb idiot. If you don't get in the first time, that's when you can use one of your timeouts on fourth down. I'm I, I no, let's call timeout on third down. Make sure we have the right play drawn up. Well, that's a terrible idea because the people who call and draw up our plays shouldn't be coaching a peewee football team. Justin Fuente is not a power five coach. I wouldn't trust Justin Fuente in the Shenandoah district. That guy would get absolutely roundhouse kicked by all seven coaches in the Shenandoah district. That guy is an absolute born loser. He has no business on the sidelines at Virginia Tech. And his offensive oh. coordinator, Brad Cornelson, couldn't coach any of the middle schools here. What a clown show that guy is. I, I have no evidence to argue with because uh, this week made me just as mad as you. What makes me even more upset about this is that I was prepared for a loss. I said on the podcast, like, it's a hard place to go. It's the rivalry. You know, I think our guys might think they're a little better than they think. I mean, this was the stuff I was saying last week in the podcast. I was preparing myself that a loss could happen. I wasn't pessimistic, but I was just trying to kind of prepare for some realities of the logistical situation. The problem with this game is that there was such bizarre play calling throughout. There was just such a poor readiness to play when the football game begins that we're down 14 nothing instantly. And then just on sheer being better than that team at football by our players got us back in that football game and got us there and gave us a chance and made a, you know, game changing season, kind of changing kind of play with an interception at the end of that game. And the only mistake he made was not getting into the end zone defensively because that allowed our offense to take back control. Brad Coralson to make these play calls inside the 10 yard line. That gives us no chance to win. I know you want to run the football there to use that clock and not give the football again. And I'm okay with that. Use running plays that will actually work and not just running into the back of our offensive line. And then I just, just be better. Find a way to score within the 10 yard line. I mean, and, and it wasn't just those four downs. You already said there was three drives. It was 12 plays within the 10 yard line. And we got no points out of any of them. And those last four hurt the most. And we lose that game. 
We would have absolutely stolen that football game, but we were absolutely the better team, like you said. So that's what then drives me crazy. I prepare myself for a loss so that I won't be Mr. Negative on Saturday. And then this team still finds a way to draw me in to be Mr. Negative. And I got to be a grump at, you know, seven o'clock at night on a Saturday instead of, uh, you know, a happy dad. So it's, it's just frustrating. This team does to us. It just reiterates the fact that I, somehow we're just going to wind up being just good enough this year to keep this staff in place. And we're still not going to do anything. We're not going to win anything and we're not going to fire anybody. And we'll just go into next season with the same plan that doesn't work. Uh, And this is from Andy bitter today on Twitter during their press conference, where he asked Fuente about a lot of the criticism being directed at the offensive coordinator. Fuente's response was, I would respond. That is our job to put our guys in the best situation. We've got to get better at that. Their execution is our responsibility, and we've got to get better at that. But I would also say there's nobody better at ironing out the minutia it takes to give our guys a chance to be successful than Brad. Well, I would say that's a lot. This is like year the first five. Part of what he said was okay. No, it's year one. Remember, it's year one. Um, the first part of what he said, I like. It's taken it. He's taken it there. But come on, if Brad hadn't figured it out by now, how is Brad the best at it? How is Brad the best at anything right now? He had three chances. He's very he obviously the not the best at, at ironing out. His crap and leaving. That's what he should do. He should be really uh, like an expert on moving right now. He should have packed up his desk and then gone home and started packing up the house, which that starts bringing it into more negative. And I, it's, these guys have families. But I, uh, he shouldn't. We need to change the approach to these football games. <laughs> we need to change the approach to these football games. This ain't working. And we like we still have the ACC ahead of us. It's stupid to think we could win this side of the ACC with, with what we do to ourselves every week, but it's still an option for us. We need to make adjustments ahead of that. And still, instead of losing two ACC games and then letting someone else call the plays or and then telling Brad to go home. I, come on. That's a, I hadn't heard that quote today. I've been off out of the mix today. Come on. Brad is not the best at that. What are we talking about? If he was the best at it, he he would have scored once on 12 plays inside the 10-yard line if he was the best at it. I don't understand this. I want him to be the best at literally ironing his clothes and then putting them away and getting the hell out of town. I I want him to be the best at ironing out a way to book a flight out of Blacksburg to anywhere else in the country. He's going to have to go to Roanoke. He probably doesn't even know that. No, I'm pre- they have a regional airport there, don't they? They can fly him out. Isn't there like a tiny airstrip in Blacksburg? I don't want yeah, – he doesn't earn no. a jet, okay? you got to score once in 12 plays no, from inside the, the 10-yard line. He's got to go out of Roanoke. He's got to go out of Roanoke because he's got to get a commercial flight. He nope. doesn't deserve the private nope. little plane. We're getting him a prop plane. It's going to be a tiny little Cessna. you got to fly yourself out, okay? Now it's survivor go mode. He can go out of Blacksburg in a Cessna. Yeah, now it's survivor mode, okay? He's the best yeah, but at... no pilot. He's no, he's flying himself out. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> endanger a pilot with his ineptitude. Survivor mode. you got to fly your own plane out of Blacksburg. Good luck. Everybody lights their torches because it's right up, like... Oh, yeah, we chase him. That's how yeah, he... Yeah, he's going to... Yeah. And then it's up a little hill and on out is where the runway is. Set him at the top of the hill. Have everybody at the stadium with torches and say, there's your plane that way. Oh, it's going to be like Indiana Jones. It's going to be like Indiana Jones where we're chasing him, (laughs) throwing spears at him while he flies away. 
Good luck. My buddy Grant, my buddy Grant Blackbird definitely has a spear ready. So. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that game was so <laughs> maddening. Because now you're at the top twenty-five, and now none of this matters. Uh, yeah, but like we act. Oh, I, I I saw the Twitter comments already. Well, I mean, if we went out, <laughs> okay, if we went out, if you know we what? Went out. If I if we went out, I'll start buying lottery tickets because I'm gonna feel like the luckiest sob in Virginia. I mean, Frank my Beamer, goodness. Frank Beamer is in South Carolina watching his son coach. He's not coming through that door. We're not gonna lose to Boise State and JMU. And We're not beating out. Notre Dame. We don't have that. We don't have that in us. It's not the staff we have to not create that to happen. We don't have Bud Foster there anymore. We don't have it. We're not beating Notre Dame. Brian Kelly's gonna come into Blacksburg and slap us silly. We better hope that Pat Narduzzi doesn't beat us again. The only coach that might be worse than our coach that is currently in the ACC is Manny Diaz at Miami. That guy also (laughs) sucks at his job. But that guy might be the only coach worse than ours in the ACC right now. Justin Fuente is an absolute tool bag. I, oh, and the fact that he still defends Brad Cornelson, that's why he's got to go too. I mean, well, that and a, a host of other reasons. But Brad Cornelson should not have had a job on Sunday. Should not have had a job on Sunday. Not in Blacksburg, anyway. And he's, you know, if that he's quote. a pilot in survival mode, maybe he could do that after. Maybe. I don't care. Like, if he makes it out alive, then maybe he's just like, yeah. well, I'll stick with this. Yeah. And you know what? If he does, then he can do that. one time a jet sweep worked, I'm just going to run that forever. And one time a... a, a yeah, I did kind of take worked, a shot. I got to do that forever. So maybe if he flies a jet, flies a little plane, and it works, he'll just be like, well, I got to do this forever now. That's my way of calling offensive plays. I just got to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over, even if it's not working. But the worked one, so I got to remember that. If he gets out of town alive on that plane, that's his next job, because that means he's alive. Got to work. Got to do it forever now. And then, luckily with that, he'll only fail once. <laughs> no doubt. But I just, that was another tweet I put out that was a shot that only hokey Twitter would get, where I was just, that jet sweep that went negative yards inside the tent. I was like, what's our average on the jet sweep today? Like, I hate that stuff. Well, actually, last year, our average was over t- was nine point something yards. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, the one time it goes for 50 yards, it kind of throws off the other two yard gains all the time. I mean, just shut up. Those freaking shills. I hate them because they allow this stuff to happen. They feed our fans full of a bunch of poop in their heads. They're the ones that convince our fan base, like, oh, Notre Dame. Well, you know, if we beat Notre Dame and then we went out in the conference, I mean, it's possible. Boston College is going to spank us. Like, possible for what? Like, what is possible? What are you? What? What is still possible? You realize our Georgia only, Tech is going to absolutely house us. Our only what is still possible is winning ACC games. So, what does North? What does Notre Dame even have to do with it? Notre Dame's not an ACC school. We can lose like by fifty to Notre Dame, like we probably will. And, but ACC is yeah. But then they're still going to be saying the, the same thing. thing We're still want to know in the conference. We're still want to know in the conference. Not for long, because then Pitt will kick yeah, our face in. Be. Georgia Tech will beat us the way they're playing. Well, at least that's relevant. At least 1-0 in the ACC is relevant. Anything to do with Notre Dame is not relevant. Oh, I don't. matter what we're ranked the rest of the way. Because we just lost to West Virginia. We lost to Maryland, who's going to lose to everybody in the Big Ten. And, and I mean, West Virginia's not going to win this week against Oklahoma, who sucks. So what are we talking about? Like, 
ACC is the only thing we're playing for. And to believe that we have a chance to win, uh, going to the ACC championship game, you know, is, is it's insanity. But that's the only thing we're playing for. That, the 1 0 in ACC actually is the only thing that's relevant in this discussion. Notre Dame is irrelevant. It doesn't matter what we do against them. That's the thing. I just I don't know how you watch the play calling and the coaching going on in these games and think this team is capable of winning the ACC. We got to score thirty points a game to win the ACC, to go to the ACC and to get. And we we don't we're not that Georgia team. Tech played Clemson to the wire in Clemson, or no, that I'm game was so in Atlanta, I guess. I'm surprised though. I don't know that, where that game was, but I think it was at Clemson. Uh, doesn't matter. I don't. It really doesn't matter. I'm surprised that quarterback. He was not this bad last year. Um, I can't say his name for Clemson, but like he was in for relief for yeah. Trevor Lawrence a year ago. He was not this bad. I don't understand. Like he's not making good decisions. He's not playing well. He, I, like the defense ain't the problem. Their defense is great. My yeah. goodness, their defense is good. But man, that offense is going to score. You're. At some point, someone's going to score a little bit of points on you. You're going to have to score. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But I came away with that game being like, okay, Georgia Tech, like that's not bad. It's still Clint. I mean, builder. It's yeah, builder for them. they're yeah. going to beat us. They're going to beat us at Georgia Tech. Boss, we will lose to maybe Pitt. We will lose at Georgia Tech. We will lose at Boston College. Then we play Duke, who sucks. Miami sucks, but it's at Miami, so who knows. And if you lose to UVA, then literally just stay in Charlottesville. Don't oh my goodness. fly out of it, Charlottesville to wherever, whatever other city you got to fly to. But your house isn't going to be there, so don't worry about coming back and getting your stuff. Yeah. Like, it's no. gone. Make sure your family comes with you to the UVA game. Like, yeah. don't, leave them, don't leave them at home. I, I just – I have no time for this for this staff anymore. They're just the worst. They're terrible. The fans who still defend them are terrible. and I've got no time. UVA played UNC, and they lost, as one would expect. They scored a lot of points doing it. And one thing that hadn't stuck out to me so far, and I know UVA hadn't really played the best opponents, but they're scoring 40 points a game. They're scoring 41.3 points a game, Mm -hmm. and that's including playing North Carolina. So their offense is moving the football, and they have plenty of of optimism on that side of the ball. The problem is they just came up against a UNC team that's kind of collected themselves and, and gotten better there uh, offensively. And they, and they did give up nearly 60 to them. So I'm not going to rag on UNC for losing that game because I thought they would lose it. UVA. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, UVA. I'm not really going to let rag on them for nearly giving up 60 because I'm thankful we didn't against UNC. Um, but I think they, they still have some more prove it ahead of them. And I think their fan base is still, hey, we had two wins to start the season that I don't really – care about right and then hey we scored 40 against north carolina okay so it just pushes it forward i don't know what wake forest is going to prove me and then there's miami you know win the next three weeks and then i'll start paying attention if you if you win the next two weeks i'll start paying attention and then i don't i mean (laughs) this this next month could go pretty well for them i mean boiu coming up isn't going to be easy but I mean, they got Wake Forest, Miami, Louisville, Duke, and Georgia Tech. Like, guys, if, if you are what you think you are, then you're going to get a lot of wins right here. So if you win the next two, I'll start paying attention. How's that? Yeah. I agree with you. BYU is going to be tough. Then they have a bye week before Notre Dame, uh, Pitt, and Virginia Tech. So their last four, 
four games. Those four's tough. And if Georgia Tech keeps playing well, then maybe their last five are tough. But I mean, I was starting to say, you know, play the whole season, and then I'll start <laughs> listening. That's not fair. But hey, Wake Forest had a big victory this last yes, week. Yes, they did. Um, and then Miami still has a bunch of talent on the field, and they're poorly coached, but there's still a bunch of talent on the field. Win the next two weeks, and then I'll 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 talk to you. Yeah, I I agree with you there. JMU out at Weber State. I actually watched some of that game uh, because of my wife that is a Duke fan. And uh, JMU is a better team there, but they went out on the road and won that game. Uh, I don't like Signetti. <laughs> and this game only added to it. One of the highlights of what I was watching was him getting a 15-yard penalty uh, because he just can't control himself on the sidelines. I, I just I – really, I really hope – JMU just wins the national championship this year. I just hope they just go and win that thing and that he hears the calling from a FBS. Well, I guess JMU's looking at going up. I just, I, I want them to rid themselves of him. And I think the only way they do that anytime soon is if he takes a job that's a step up. And so I'm, I'm at the point where I'm rooting for that. I, I don't know. He's just not the coach Mike Houston was. I, it's just so obvious that he's not in so many different ways. And uh, I don't I don't like cheering for him. So I just want to cheer for him the minimal amount of time longer for him to win a national championship and get, get out. Go, go take a job that, you know, is such an impressive job. He has to leave the greatest city in the world of Harrisonburg to go do it, and then they can get a better coach in there. Uh, week three, other games that mattered, uh, Alabama, Florida was a great game. Uh, that was a phenomenal game to watch. That was a lot of fun. And, uh, Bama prevailed winning 31, 29 when Florida couldn't get a two point conversion, but I'd say that was, yeah, that was the first time I had watched Bama and was like, okay, I think, I think a blueprint has been laid out. Like Florida said, Hey, this is how you hang around. This is how you could possibly beat Alabama. And I think a team that probably took notice of that is Georgia. Now, Georgia's going to have to beat Florida to be able to get that game. But if they do, Georgia has a defense that could pose problems for Alabama. And I think we have seen Alabama's defense this year not be as good as we're used to seeing Alabama's defenses, which is surprising because they returned a lot. Yeah, I I also was impressed with Florida. They got down early and then Mm -hmm. still – came back and, and were right in that football game. So I credit them. I'm hard on their coach because I don't like him. Um, hey, he had them where they needed to be to have a chance to win that game. So good for, good for them. Penn State at the wideout, they ended up beating Auburn. That was another great game to watch. Uh, and Penn State prevailed. And Penn State got hosed on some stuff. There was some very iffy officiating by the SEC crew at Happy Valley. Uh, Penn State straight up lost a down at one point in the game, um, which was bizarre. They got an awful spot on a fourth down they went for uh, that cost them a turnover on downs. Uh, The intentional grounding was whatever that Auburn probably should have had. I thought that was close enough to be iffy. But overcoming all that, Penn State won, which I guess is me saying – it was a primetime game against a better opponent. Yes, they were at home, but they had multiple calls go against them, and they still found a way to win. This is for the Virginia Tech fans complaining that the one iffy call that we didn't get uh, cost us the game. We I had mean, four plays inside the 10. Yeah. 
yeah, you had 12 plays inside the 10. We had 12. We had four after that call. So we had eight after that call. We had two on the last. Oh yeah. Two of the last three drives were inside the 10. Yeah. So I yeah eventually got to do something yourself. They're not going to put you in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, Penn State did look good. That means they'll be on a lot more of those primetime games the rest of the way. We'll probably see another wideout uh, if they if they keep winning there. Um, so and that's fine. I. I am not a tech fan that hates Penn State. Um, I don't mind James Franklin either, even though he coached at Vanderbilt before this. Um, so kind of just defying all odds, I don't mind Penn State. I don't know if I root for them, but there also aren't Ohio State and they aren't Michigan. So that helps them greatly. It's why I used to, before tech was in the ACC, I used to root for Maryland basketball because they weren't North Carolina or Duke. So yeah, that's kind of how I feel about them. I just, I'd rather them win than those, the evil empire um, and sure. you know, them beating an SEC school doesn't bother me either. So, uh, what I noticed during the game while I was watching it, and then it shows in the stat book too, it's the difference to scoring touchdowns and field goals. So, you know, once you're kicking your second or third field goal of the game, you, you got to realize <laughs> in a close game, this is what's going to cost you. You got to start capitalizing. You got to get in the end zone. And I mean, Virginia Tech couldn't even get field goals against West Virginia, but you got to score touchdowns to win big ball games against big teams. And, uh, Auburn didn't do that, and that's why they lost. So, Yeah, that was a big win for Penn State, though. Uh, looking ahead, I don't like the neutral site games. I See, I thought this Penn State-Auburn game was a great example of home and homes are a lot better because you get the atmosphere and the students yeah. and, and all that. But Notre Dame is at West – well, Notre Dame is playing Wisconsin at Soldier Field in Chicago. It, that, I, see, the, the argument made for this one is that – like Notre Dame is such a Chicago is such a piece of Notre Dame. Like it's not that, that super far away from there. There's a lot of, you know, okay. You well then the people from, from Chicago, Chicago can go drive to South so Bend. There is, it's gonna be a huge Notre Dame crowd there. Like it's, it's not a home game. It's not playing um, in uh, uh, South, <laughs> Bend. South Bend. It, it's, it's not the same, but like, that's the argument that is made because I, I've, I've already seen that on Twitter uh, coming out of the Penn State game, just like you're saying, hey, this is a great example of that and all that. Um, they're saying, hey, this is just, you know, they can fit more people in Soldier Field kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, but, but it's not the same. It is not the same. But it'll be a big game, and it'll have all the attention. What I think is really interesting about the attention on this game, uh, for the first time that I know of since – Fox has been doing this. I mean, this is only the second season we've seen Fox doing this, so it's not that long we can say. But Fox has the game at noon. Notre Dame at Wisconsin. They'll have their pregame there, rolling right into it, as we've seen these last weeks. They're smart because they hold it five minutes after 12, so they're, everybody turns to that game and sees they see their pregame show at the end. But ESPN game day will also be in Chicago outside Soldier Field for this game. So I, I, all eyes are on that game, and I think it's interesting – uh, ESPN people criticize ESPN about like not promoting uh, games that are not on their networks. This is in the face of that. I mean, this is promoting Fox's biggest game of the week. So uh, I think that's interesting I, from the media side of things. I think they just don't have an option. Yeah, there's not other. The other big game, game is Texas A&M at Arkansas. Arkansas but I think CBS. This weekend, you're showing your cards. <laughs> I think CBS might have told them we don't want you here because there's no. some bad blood there. You do see um, – There's some bad blood over the SEC switching. Yeah. More – it has been very recently. Um, 
CBS allowed it to happen, though. But uh, if they were at Arkansas for this game, I think you'd be showing your card. I, I do think Notre Dame, Wisconsin, I, they had this one for game day circle before the season even started. And so sticking with it, I think, is the right thing because I don't think they did thought Arkansas would be number 16 in the nation right now either. Uh, I guess Kurt's going to do the game day at, at Chicago and then fly down to Oklahoma uh, because that's the 730 game on ABC. So um, that tells you everything I, you need to know about the games ESPN has this week. Yeah, that they're not. It's West I mean, Virginia he, at Oklahoma. What is that? A twenty-one point spread? I don't know, and we and we don't even think Oklahoma's that great. And no, still whoop them. but West they. Virginia's I saw the great. graphics. West Virginia on the road is an FCS team. West Virginia is going to get stuffed by Oklahoma, who stuffs no one. For the excitement of the eight o'clock game, you just hope they come out like they did against us and start and throw the ball deep and and no have some break. I want West play. Virginia just to just to get some points on the scoreboard because other because you know Oklahoma's going to score 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 score. So uh, you just hope West Virginia can try to get some points up early so you at least care in the second quarter. I want them to get run over by that schooner. Like I want that covered wagon to just straight run them over all day long. I don't like West Virginia. I hate that we lost to them. I hate our coaches for letting us lose to them. I don't want them. I've already said it multiple times on this podcast. I seriously don't want them inside the city limits of Blacksburg. I don't want them in the state limits. I don't want them inside our state lines ever again. If they coach at another university and they schedule a team from Virginia and they want to play here, I want the governor of Virginia at that time to do the right thing and tell them, no, you can't come inside our state lines. You have committed crimes against this state that will never be pardoned. <laughs> Brad Cornelson shouldn't be allowed to live in the country, if I'm being honest. But I'm not the president. Hey, so. You haven't sent him to the moon yet, so there's still room for him to grow. Yeah, he can do it in Canada. He can go coach in the Canadian Football League and watch him get killed up there, too. All right, let's run in some NFL pretty quick here. Uh, my Steelers fell to the Raiders. I, I didn't necessarily see that coming. It's not really part of the equation of what I thought this season could be for the Steelers. <laughs> uh, also part of the equation for my Steelers and the uh, what I thought it could be this year is some offense that they don't appear to be showing. Uh, they made a lot of corrections to their offensive line in the offseason, off and we're getting the same results. Uh, Ben's getting rushed, and that's not helping him, and our run game is not really benefiting from – they're not being holes. Uh, Najee Harris is very talented running back, and he's not 40 years old. So you can't say he should retire, and you can't say um, he's not a good running back or, you know, he's not up to the level of being a prime back. He is. Uh, he's just going to have to have someone block for him. So they're going to need to figure something out there, and uh, I don't know what it'll take. But it's it wasn't a good look this week. They have Cincinnati next week. That's a division game. If they lose that game, then uh, my prediction is going to – I'm going to – print it and put it in the backyard and shoot it. <laughs> I would love that. But um, because I mean, they beat Buffalo and that was nice, but they also beat Buffalo with defense only. And so they haven't had any offense yet. And so if they lose to Cincinnati, surely offense won't be involved. It's not like they're going to lose that game 56 to 49. So there, there's that. They, this is a must win for uh, Leland's NFL happiness. Yeah. Well, the Washington football team managed to snag victory from the jaws of defeat against the Giants. <laughs> no one wanted to win that thing. <laughs> that was a rough game to watch. Um, but they did find a way to win. 
it was an important win for them because I think if they go 0-2, go into Buffalo next week, I think it gets real hard to see a path to the playoffs. But at 1-1, one one, it's possible. Yeah. I do and think – it's a division win. Yeah. yeah, and I do think Buffalo beats them yeah. uh, this coming week. But I think the concerning part for Washington has been their defense has not looked good. San Diego yeah. put up some points on that defense, and they did not put up points on Dallas's defense who I don't think is a good defense. So, and then you watch uh, what the Giants did. Denver shut them down. And the Giants managed to put up 29 points. So that would be my, that would be a bigger concern for me if I'm a Washington football team fan than even the quarterback situation up there. Yeah, and at least with the quarterback situation, you, you write off the fact that, like, your starter's gone. And, like, you have a little more understanding of it not being perfect there. And, you know, Heineke's going to get out there and battle for you. It might not be great, but he's going to battle. And that's why you like that guy. That's why he's not a bad second-string quarterback. But, yeah, um, I, I hear you on that defense. Um, yeah, I, you, you, that's, that's the backbone of what that team has been. That's why everybody keeps saying – you need to capitalize right now because you got all these young studs on the defensive line. You hadn't seen that yet this season. Yeah. And then uh, the other thing to note is that the Ravens, they had quite the comeback victory. Uh, they beat the Chiefs 36 to 15, or 36 to 35, sorry, not 15, 36 to 35. <laughs> that was a hell of a comeback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lamar Jackson finally did it. Uh, he he blew a two-score lead the week before on Monday Night Football. This week, he came back from down two scores, found a way to beat the Chiefs, and John Harbaugh goes for it on a fourth and one where he absolutely has to have it. And I think that's the right call. Even if they don't make it, it would have been the right call because I know you're on the wrong side of the 50. But if you punt the ball to Patrick Mahomes and all they need is a field goal, they're definitely going to win that game. So I thought... I thought that was a great move by Harbaugh going for it there. They found a way to win and uh, makes me excited. Got the Lions next week. That should. should be a win. I mean, you like seeing Lamar play good. I mean, uh, it was a little bit of, you know. Not his best game. He put the fire out because he started the fire. Yeah. Uh, throwing some early interceptions. But, hey, like, <laughs> there's a lot of quarterbacks that are really good and in the Hall of Fame that had a – Brett Favre is the king of that, you know. He had a lot of comeback victories and big fourth, big time fourth quarter moments because he had already thrown three interceptions in the game. So, um, not saying Lamar Jackson is the same quarterback Brett Favre is, but you can have that sometimes in a quarterback. And so, good for him of actually doing it this week. He he did a lot to lose that game the first week of the season for him. Um, and when the push came to shove in this game, he did a lot for them to win it. So, credit to him. You say finally, he's done it before. He won an MVP two seasons ago like he's been in we were almost life. never behind that season okay that's probably a analysis point that i can't i'm not prepared to argue at this moment the but only like, other two score victory he's had was the titans i think last year in the playoffs it, i just feel like i've seen him you know playing well to win games before and that's kind of what I, I think i was trying to duck at the most but Okay, for the comeback, that's great. Hey, an ad. And that's I'll, I'll take it then that that's my argument that he's still young. And I know he's getting older every season, and I can't say he's young for too much longer, but he's still 
developing those different aspects of the game and that confidence that it's going to take. And this was a big step in the right direction. And it's not solved. Another game this season, he's going to mess up and they're going to lose. But you want to see less of that than you have seen some in the past. So um, good to see for, for your sake. I hate it, especially on the heels of my Steelers game. But I, eh, good for you. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, let you, I'll let you have something positive. <laughs> yeah, them and the Orioles. They're looking great. Um, so we will go ahead and move it to the B block with Cody Elliott. All right, B block time here with Cody Elliott from the DNR. Cody, we hadn't had you on in a while. We left you alone all summer. Yeah, no, it has been a while. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've certainly had uh, plenty of storylines to cover while you guys have have been doing your end thing. So, well, the the reason we held off is because we just thought at any moment we'll hear where Tyler Nickel is deciding to go to college. And I guess I was hoping all summer we would hear Virginia Tech, but. Last Tuesday or Wednesday, I guess it was, they announced or he announced that he's going to North Carolina. So uh, talk about what you know about his decision with that. Yeah, you know, I talked to um, Tyler's dad, Eric, after the signing um, last week. Uh, You know, honestly, he said that he would have told you about three weeks ago that he was going to tech. Um, I've been telling people for months that I thought he was going to tech, Um, you know, the relationship that he established with Virginia Tech's coaching staff was, was pretty special and went back a long way um, back to as long ago as his sophomore year when, when things were back to normal and he was playing down in Roanoke at, at the Rockbridge tournament. Uh, Mike Young came and watched him play down there against Northside. And then obviously Christian Webster, the tech assistant, has spent a lot of time at Elkton. Um, actually him and Kerry keys had become good buddies through this whole process, which is kind of ironic because Kerry is a big UVA fan, so it was kind of funny listening to him to talk about that dynamic. But um, <laughs> they had they had really built a special bond there with with Tyler and and Kerry and all those guys. And um, you know, the, the, he went down and visited Blacksburg, and it was the weekend that the Tech football beat UNC. And um, you know, there were there were some some whispers, you know, uh, around from some people that I knew that were saying, you know, it's possible he commits this weekend. Talking about the weekend that he was in Blacksburg. Wow. And, there, there was serious, you know, thought that it might have ended that weekend. And so I had, I had my phone on alert. I had his tweets on notific- notifications on, you know, I was ready to go that weekend, you know, and anticipating um, that happening. And then uh, he, he didn't end up committing that weekend, and he decided to take the visit to UNC. Um, he had previously already canceled one with Butler. So he had already narrowed it down some, you know, kind of privately. Um, and when he went down to UNC – you know, just talking to them a little bit last week. I mean, it, you know, they just they gave him the celebrity treatment. I mean, you know, they went to the football game and Roy Williams was standing over there talking to him. Um, they they went and showed him what they call the basketball museum at UNC, which is all the different NBA players that they've had. Which is, you know, yeah, the yeah. list compared to Virginia Tech's <laughs> list is, is is pretty deep. A little um, different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, then, and then I think what really sold him though, um, with the the biggest thing that I think that really convinced him. Um, and, and kind of maybe stole away Blacksburg was just the fact that he scrimmaged against the current UNC players while down there. Um, and, and the rumor has it uh, from people that were there and, you know, from some of the sources where that, that he was, if not the best player on the floor, he was, he was one of the top two or three. 
um, and, and kind of opened some eyes not only for the coaching staff there, but also kind of showed himself that he can play at a high level against ACC competition. And, wow. um, you know, he doesn't need to shy away from the Blue Bloods like UNC and, and those schools. So I think once he saw that and combined with, you know, the, the lure of, of UNC basketball and, and the Jordan shoes and all that stuff that they stuck <laughs> with, I mean – um, I think it was a no-brainer for him, and you know, I think anybody who follows recruiting enough, as soon as you know, if, if a kid goes on a visit and and two days after cancels all his others yeah. and says I'm ready, to admit, it doesn't take it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out. So a lot of people had a feeling that was coming after that, but um, there were some whispers even as soon as that weekend, um, that Saturday or Sunday after that scrimmage, um, that that things were leaning that way. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know from my end, I, I know you and I had a conversation because we were going to have you on this week either way is what we were hoping. And uh, you kind of alluded, I think you were catching wind that the press conference was getting scheduled for the next day. And uh, <laughs> as soon as you said that, I said, that's that's not good information. <laughs> yeah, Because he actually, you know, at first when I had heard that, you know, this decision was coming soon, um, there was talk about a press conference on Friday. And uh, so, you know, I'd kind of started circling that on my calendar and getting it ready. And I talked to my photographer and things. And then within a 24 hour window, it changed from Friday to Wednesday because he was trying to get ahead of it because with the 24 seven writers at these schools and, and on the message boards, you know, rumors were already starting to leak out that way. And, yeah. um, you know, it, so he got ahead of it pretty quickly. And but still, like I said, it doesn't take a genius to figure out what was going on there after after he yeah. made the announcement. <laughs> it's still crazy. Even then on Twitter, like on Tuesday mor- or Wednesday morning uh, was when he announced or Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday morning. There's people on Twitter. It's like tech writers like, well, we lost him. We don't have him. And like North Carolina guys like already moving past having him. And I was like the recruiting information train like in the year in from 2003 to 2008 was when I was in college and that's when every single Virginia Tech football recruit out in basketball I was like in the middle of watching stuff on Tech sideline and everything and it was like information just so much slower back then now it's just like they're they're on to the next thing and if it was you know only 10 years before that it just would have you never would have known so it's just crazy how how much that world has changed in that amount of time yeah and it's guys that you know you would you know it's funny because people always came to me throughout this whole process asking me questions i mean and i certainly me you know, like me texting you asking you what's going yeah, on you're, you're, you're far <laughs> from yeah, I, I, I certainly kept in and check with those guys and and um you know talked to carrie a lot and talked to tyler at times and and you know kind of kept a, a pulse of what was going on but man those those insider guys i mean it's guys that you know have probably been to Elkton maybe once in their lives. And that was probably for signing day. Like it's guys that you are never around that somehow find this information. It really is incredible. Honestly, as, as a, just a local journalist, I'm like, how did these guys get this information? I mean, obviously a lot of it, I think comes from the other side with these schools and, the, and their, their connection with the coaching staff and things like that. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's nuts how, how fast that information um, goes along and, and, you know, the message boards are already filled up, you know, celebrating Tyler Nickel committing before he even officially announces. So it's pretty wild. So I, I assume, you know, one of my follow-up questions on him there was kind of, you know, a loose look at his ceiling. I obviously we, we think the hot, he'll be successful down there and all. And, and what you said there with the in, in practice or, you know, playing on the court with the guys, he did well. Um, I, so I guess he's, he's talking, he's assuming that he's going to see good amount of playing time immediately down in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
when he first came in onto the scene when he was a freshman or sophomore, I knew he was pretty special. I mean, yeah. I think everybody did. Um, and he was pretty confident then. He's always he's always been a confident kid. He's always, you know, not back down in those big moments. I've, I've written about it before. I mean, he's always relishing those things. But talking to him last Wednesday was even different for me because I haven't seen him in months. And he, he walked into the gym and he looked taller. His face looked more mature. He looked a little bit more, you know, physically built. I mean, he looked a lot more like a college basketball player now than than I've ever seen him before. And good. It, He's, he, you know, he's always been had the size. He's always had all those things. But I mean, he, when I looked at him, I mean, I, he looked like a guy that I could see stepping on a court and playing against, uh, you know, Division One teams. And you know, even talking to him afterwards, I mean, like I said, he's always been confident. But it's almost like he's, it's almost like he's taken on this role of a, a, a I'm just going to prove everyone wrong. I mean, it, that's yeah, that's kind of the good. impression I got. I mean, he he was very, you know, it, it wasn't. Oh, maybe I could go in and contribute. It's I know I can go down there and play, and it's you know I'm sure some people that might not like that they might think that's well, cocky or whatever, but it, it's seems to be working for him. Obviously, it worked for him, like I said, in that skirmish on there when he's playing, and it's obviously worked for him on the AU circuit against high level yeah. competition. So he, um, yeah, he had when I just in a little little bit of conversation I had about next year, he he seemed very very confident that he's going to be able to go down there and great pretty much be able to contribute almost immediately. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted him to be a Hokie, but I, I'm happy for this kid. I, I'm happy uh, someone from our area that we've got to cover. You've got to cover him firsthand so much. But uh, even, you know, Joe and I get to call some games on 1240 and get to see him play. You know, I'm excited that we're seeing someone play at that level. And uh, I, I was, you know, putting Virginia Tech at that same level. But it, it, whether I like it or not, you know, the blue blood of North Carolina, it does mean something. And when you, you have a museum with Michael Jordan and – uh, Stackhouse and Vince Carter and I mean so many names I'm not even talking about that I should be saying uh, you know it, it is I realize the difference so it's yeah, it's I awesome mean, that someone from Elkton uh, right up the road from Augusta County here is just going to be a part of that it's it's amazing yeah it, it was honestly you know obviously you know I'm a hokey as well yeah. and um you know, you, you should have done tried, better. You should have put that on him more. You, you should have. Yeah, I, I tried to, I tried to <laughs> stay out of it as much as I could. But even for me, watching him put on that UNC hat was even like, like, wow, this is actually, you know, it's kind of bizarre. Like, you just don't see that happen yeah. often around here, if ever. I mean, you know, it's especially in Rockingham County and Harrisburg for those schools. You know, Kerry Key said before he announced yeah. he, he a little speech, he, he listed off five guys. And um, so, yeah, it's something that, you know, I don't think – I think Tyler's accomplishments have kind of been overlooked in a way. I mean, you know, I think part of the problem with nowadays society is you always want to compare to the past, and everybody always wants to say, well, he's not Ralph Sampson or he's not <laughs> Pee Wee Barber. He's not, you know, we don't know what he's going to be yet. And yeah. I, I think don't think people have sat down and actually looked at, like, his numbers. And, you know, he's, he's if he has a huge year this year, he could potentially be the VHSL's all-time leading scorer and things like that. It's like, guys – what the guy's done is pretty incredible and you just appreciate it a little more. And I think, you know, watching him put on that UNC blue last, last Wednesday was just like, wow, man, this, this is pretty, this dude's pretty legit. So yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what's next for him. Yeah. I'll, I'll root for him to lose a game or two every year. Uh, and I told him that. I told him that. <laughs> you know, I'll root for you every game except for two. You know? <laughs> That's kind of fair enough. Uh, yeah. I, 
uh, Justin Kyer always stood out to me as, as one of the best. You know, we've seen, uh, you know, Darius from down here from Stanton High School uh, who went on to play Marshall. But Justin Kyer always stuck out to me as one of the best that I've covered on radio in this short time uh, and how smooth he was with the basketball. So I'm glad there's just another person that list that's going to play D1. And, and this is the biggest. I mean, this is, I, you know, no one's gone to this biggest school since, what, the 80s, right? So it's, yeah. it's, it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, I was talking to, to some people the other day about that. I think the last one I could think of that was closer. Oh, to Tyler. Him, Tyler went to Georgetown. Tyler Crawford. That, yeah. That's who I was yeah. thinking of. Yeah, Crawford I forgot. Georgetown. And I actually played against him on. Well, like I was sitting close to the court with a uniform right, on right. while he played. But uh, <laughs> I actually played against him. Somehow that one escaped me. But yeah, uh, yeah. I guess there was also the kid uh, from Stanton, uh, Jason, um, that went to UVA. Uh, um, oh, it's embarrassing that I'm blanking on his name, but he was good. And Pete Gillen never gave him the shot at UVA. And on senior night, he gets in and lights it up. And then they played him in the ACC tournament and he lit it up. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Jason was his first name. Uh, such a good player though. But <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it, it's raising the bar for local talent. And, you know, next time someone's really great from this area, uh, maybe not even as good as Tyler, uh, Nickel is, or any of these guys that we've ripped off. Um, Jason Rogers was the name. I, I yes. finally, it finally hit my brain. Uh, <laughs> Jason Rogers from Stanton. Um, so yeah, it's been since the eighties, but still not that many have, have gone to play D one, but yeah, it's, it's just raising the bar for the area. Now Tyler Nichols, one of those guys would be, compared to and uh I bet you know I bet he's successful I, I really do I, I don't doubt this kid at all you know Mac McClellan is who Joe and I got to cover a couple of years on the radio against uh Stanton teams and I never thought he would go on to do what he's doing I mean he's he's on the Lakers roster now it's unbelievable and yeah. um I I guess I guess the height of <laughs> this the body build and everything that Tyler Nichols bringing to the table uh just makes me believe that he's going to have success um at that level a little easier and, and I'm not doubting this kid at all. I, and, and I shouldn't have doubted Mac um, because he proved me wrong every chance he could. And so I, I'm not going to give Tyler Nichols a chance to prove me wrong. I'm, I'm cheering for him <laughs> except, except those two games. And I bet he does well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm right there with you. And um, you know, he's, he's told me since he was a freshman that he wanted to get an NBA. And that, that's yeah. something that with, with 99.9% of players I cover in this area, I would, I'd say let's temper our expectations. And <laughs> I've learned with him and the, and the way that he continues to rise every year, I, I'm not going to rule that out. So we'll see. No, heck no. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's the case. So uh, let's shift in gears to the, to the football field. Um, and I want to talk about, we talk about trying to do a district all the time down here. And I'll circle back to that basically with just one team, but let's talk Valley district. You know, Joe and I have been hard on the Valley district this year. I think, uh, early in the season, it's been easy to be hard on the Valley District because there just hasn't been big non-district wins coming out of that district. But, you know, what's starting to stick out in your mind with that Valley District? I know TA was was favored early, but you could pretty much make a case for most of the teams in the Valley District. What's what's your early thoughts on what you're seeing up there? Yeah, I think that's exactly what stands out. Um, they've they've Their consistency hasn't really been there. Honestly, I think if you look at who's been the most impressive in terms of being consistent. I would say it's probably Broadway, just their three and one and their one loss was really because they didn't play well in that first and second quarter against Strasburg. And then they came back and it just was a little too late. Um, but overall, I think they've been the most impressive and I'm not even sure they're a, you know, a 
typical Valley District champion type team on most years. Um, you know, Rockbridge is is a good team, but they're they're again they're a middle of the road. I, th- I just don't think there's a good or great team in the Valley District this year. I think yeah. it's going to be a league where literally almost anybody can beat anybody on any given night. Even Spotswood, I, I thought Spotswood was before the year. I thought Spotswood was below those four pretty significantly. I think Spotswood's actually been a little better than I thought, and they're still not very good <laughs> compared yeah. to their standards. Um, you know, TA has just had way too many penalties, uh, way some injury issues as well. Um, just can't seem to get up for the, those, those big games they've struggled in so far, um, which tells me that, you know, even against that competition, they might do well, but I, I don't think that they're necessarily as dangerous to make a deep run in regionals now. Um, and then at Harrisonburg, they're still kind of the wild card because their schedule has been so bizarre against class four and class five schools and some really good ones, some really bad ones. And, and so they, they've gotten back to back wins, but you know, so again, that that, there's not really a a good feel for anything that's going on. I I just don't think it's a, it's a great district this year. I don't think there's a great shot that anyone makes too much of noise. Now, you know, granted that, that I hope that gets turned around. I hope, you know, maybe by the time the playoffs do roll around, somebody gets hot. And, and surprises us. But at this point in the season with where everyone is, um, you know, I, I think right now, you know, TA, like we said, TA was the favorite and TA got blown out by Brookville 50 nothing, um, and then lost to Western last week. Um, I think Broadway has inserted them in the discussion a little bit more than I expected. And, and I think Harrisburg's still there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not a very, I think it's going to be a fun lead to coverage simply because it's going to be wide open, but I'm not sure that past, November 6th, I'm not sure anybody's going to be playing too many too many weeks after that. Shifting to the Bull Run District, you know, there was a lot of preseason talk, uh, you know, because everybody thought it could be anything, but Page County got brought up. People didn't know if East Rock could kind of turn around and, and be what they had been the years previous. Um, but it, it looks like, you know, Central Woodstock, Strasburg, um, maybe even Clark County kind of being the, the leaders in that district. What, what are your looks there? Yeah, Central um, is the team that surprised me. I thought Central would be better this year. They kind of struggled in the spring. Obviously, their season got canceled early because of uh, COVID. And around the first week, maybe after, maybe after the last scrimmages or so, I started talking to some coaches from around the Bull Run, some guys from Luray, from Page, from East Rock, and even some schools from the Valley that scrimmaged them. And they told me that, you know, Central is the team to beat in that district. And I was kind of like, okay, well – you know, we'll make, and they're just like, you just got to watch them on film. Like they've got guys in the, in the backfield, they've got guys in every position. And sure enough, I, I saw them play East Rock and, you know, it was a 21 nothing win, which I think a lot of people think, well, they should have blown out East Rock if they're that good. But East Rock is a team, which, you know, I can discuss in a minute. They're actually better than expected, but central just really impressed me with just physically how they looked and just how they took care of business all over the field that night. Obviously last week they lost to Clark County in a close one. Um, so Clark County certainly has now established itself as, as probably the favorite in that district. And then Strasburg was a team I think that's also ever achieved a bit. Um, you know, they graduated 21 seniors from a team that, that went to the regional championship last year and fell to draft. Um, yeah, I think everybody would assume that they would have taken a step back, but they seem to be rolling here early on. Uh, so I, yeah, I think those three that you mentioned are, are certainly the, the three at the top. And I think, um, you know, the Central Clark game showed us that those two teams are pretty much a coin flip anytime they play each other. And I think if Strasburg can get, get themselves in that conversation as well, I mean, I, I think those three um, are, are certainly looking like the favorites. I think if there's one team that, that I kind of cover, I cover East Rock, Page, and Luray mostly out of that district. I think Luray is the team now 
um, that's trying to insert themselves in the conversation. Um, they, they're they a really young team still. I mean, they played yeah. sophomores back in the spring. Yeah. Now they've got, you know, juniors with experience, but they're still inexperienced a little bit. So uh, they're 3-0. Um, last week's win against Paige was a good one, but also it, it wasn't as clean as they probably would have wanted. I think, you know, their coach would tell you that as well. But um, if, if they can continue, I think, to get better and, and you know, if they can just hang with some of those teams, I, th- I think they're a team that will kind of look more like those typical array teams where they get into the playoffs. And then once you get there, you never know what can happen. Yeah. They, they usually actually show up better in the playoffs. I know kind of at the beginning of this run of success for Loray, you know, it wasn't necessarily wins in the playoffs, but like looking strong against, you know, top seeds in the playoffs. And, and then these last couple of years, I think we've seen some wins out of them in the playoffs. So I, I think for them, it's just getting there uh, because that's a program that has been built on, on getting there recently. So I, I agree with the danger of Loray. I, I, I wouldn't, if I'm Stewart's draft, I wouldn't want to see Loray early in the playoffs. Now they, they do face each other here in the regular season, but I just do, I agreed with you that that's one of those dangerous teams come November. Well, and Region 2B is going to be interesting this year because yeah. I just found out from Eric Phillips last week, and I'm not sure even how public this is yet, but I, Region 2B is going to eight teams now again instead of the six Oh, teams. wow. Man, they, they just voted on it last week. Wow. Um, you know, just do the, the reasoning was that, that because of COVID and things like that affecting teams, you know, you're going to have teams that have played only eight or nine games, potentially teams yeah. that have played 10. Um, they just felt it was best. So, you know, I th- That's I kind of the opposite logic that some other league, like baseball last year had more teams in the playoffs all of a sudden. Right, right. So that's, and that's weird. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I believe if, I, if I'm thinking correctly, I believe that that leaves only nine teams in reason to be so eight or nine teams will make it essentially. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, almost every team in, in 2B is going to be in the playoffs. And I think, yeah, yeah. You know, I think obviously a draft is at the top of the uh, of the region expected to win it, but you know behind them, I think that leaves a lot of potential for some upsets and some fun and maybe some some different runs like we've seen. I mean, you know, just like I, I believe it was two years ago when East Rock went on that run, um, kind of unexpectedly and got to the regional championship against Draft. I mean, that was an East Rock team that wasn't expected to be there, and they kind of went on a fun run as a sixth seed that year. Um, so I think this year, especially. Um, with COVID and the way everything else is going, I think that there's a lot of potential for that to happen, especially yeah. in that. Well, uh, yeah, I think I got switched around my brain there, but like it's, it, yeah, I, I, I guess in this year where the teams are going to have the different amount of games, I like it. I like that they're going to have the eight teams. I, I generally think there's one too many weeks in the playoffs. So I liked in the spring that it was uh, more limited, but uh, I think it actually makes sense. We, I, I mistook what you were saying. So yeah, that, that works for me. I, I, I do think it'll be wide open. I, you know, we think our team down here at Stewart's Draft is because they've won the region the last couple of years. Like, of course, they're probably one of the favorites. I, I don't think you're arguing that. Um, but, yeah, I think there's dangerous teams down the list coming from the bull run. And I think, you know, kind of having that three-headed monster that we talked about that didn't even include Loray, I, I think when they all start playing each other and beating up on each other, I think it'll make them better for that and more ready for draft. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, like you said, the three-headed monster, Adam Larray, you got four right there that are going to beat up on each other all year. Yeah. Um, and that's either going to help them or hurt them. But either <laughs> way, I think those four in storage draft, um, you know, and then and Buckingham's always that wild card team. I mean, no they, one knows. Yeah. You no, know, you never know what you're going to get with them. So, um, you know, one year I know they had a, they had a pretty solid squad. Um, so, you know, who knows what happens with them. But either way, you got four or five teams there at the top that should make a pretty pretty fun playoff. So the one team from down here uh, is is that I wanted to talk about is the team that 
more last week than this week, everybody in the state seemed to have something to say is Riverheads. And I know you spent plenty of time covering Riverheads firsthand, uh, and I know you still pay a lot of attention to them up there um, in Harrisonburg. But, you know, I thought that win against Lord Bonneton at the time was was very good, but I did kind of acknowledge, like, you know, if, if that's as good as 3C is, 3 has, Class 3 has, like – then Riverheads can beat them all. I, I think the win this week for Mathematics over Lauderdale probably does take a little bit of the shine off that win for Riverheads. But I, I still think it's a huge statement for them to go into Lord Botetourt against all those Division One prospects that they have, and rightfully so. They're good players. Like I, we covered that game, I didn't look at those players and think they weren't good. I thought they were good. I just thought as team Riverheads beat them. I, I still think that's a huge win for Riverheads. I, wh- wh- how does that win, how does that opportunity for Riverheads and them taking advantage of it, how does that kind of stack up in your memory of, of I'm not going to call it a huge upset, but just a standout regular season win, and, and you can even spread it out among sports here in your coverage of local sports here in Stanton, Waynesboro, and, and now Harrisonburg? Uh, for me, for regular season, I think it's, you know, one of the, the biggest wins I've seen out of them since I've been covering. I mean, I've been covering since 2013. Um, it's it's one of the biggest regular season wins. I mean, and, and this isn't a, a slight at them for, for not scheduling tough because I know part of that was out of their hands for, for a while years ago. And and now, they, they, you know, they've been able to find some more. But but just in terms of they haven't – I haven't seen many class three schools or class four or class two even that have been – yeah, I mean, Riverheads has just never really played an opponent of that caliber in terms of, you know, they're well-respected around the entire state, like you said, um, you know, a Class 3 contender, not just a Class 3 school. I mean, this isn't just them playing TA in a scrimmage or, or yeah. them facing Spotswood up the road. This is a, a annual contender at the Class 3 level, um, a team with Division One players that we know that are going to play at the next level um, that physically, like you said, when you look at them, probably looked – a little bigger, <laughs> a little faster. Yeah. Than yeah. Couldn't match. Um, I think, you know, the bottom line with Riverheads is that, you know, a lot of the people who, who want to say that Riverheads can't beat these schools are, are, are mostly guys that are sitting on their couches or are sitting up in the bleachers or whatever. Um, when, when really, you know, if you talk to the coaches around the state, you know, talking to Turner Ashby's Chris Frazier and, and some of these other guys, I mean, th- they'll tell you every time just how good Riverheads is and, and that, you know, they can play at any level. I mean, Chris Frazier told me said he's coached for 25, 30 years and, and he believes that Riverheads could face anybody in the state and, and play with them. And um, that just, you know, speaks to the respect that Robert Castro has earned. And, you know, I, I said before that game, I said that, win or lose, if they play that game close, I think they're going to open some eyes. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> that after, as that game was going along, you know, I was at East Rockingham that night, and, and guys in that press box were talking about it. And I, I left, and, and people in the stands were talking about it. And, and even last week, somebody mentioned, to, mentioned it to me again. I mean, it's a win that's being talked about. And I think, you know, it, it's crazy to think that after five state, straight state championships that <laughs> – they have to earn respect, but I think it certainly, you know, earned them some <laughs> for, from people out there who, for some reason, were still doubting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and that's what's been fun for me. You know, there was a time period. I mean, I went there, so I obviously I'm biased. But then there was a time period where I was only seeing Riverheads every week. And then I started watching, you know, best game in the area every week. So I was seeing all of our other local teams. And it, it, I think if you have that opportunity to watch a bunch of different teams throughout a season, not just your team and not just Riverheads, it kind of sticks out more of just how 
how much how different that program's run. You just the, the reactions from the sidelines, even I think is a big telling thing where you never see some grand celebration on the sideline, you never see everybody's head down. You just see a, a stable atmosphere then. And then you see that shown on the field. It's just that stable attack. And um, you know, the, it doesn't change whether they're losing or winning. And and I think Lord Bodotot's I think it helped that Lord Bodotot hadn't seen Riverheads before. You know, I think they it was kind of caught them off guard that they're here's just this constant flow of boom 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 and i it it was fun to watch as a riverheads fan but also just as an announcer it, it was just like fun to go into that environment after everything we'd been through for a while to just have a normal friday night uh you know there's still masks in the press box but the kids are out there there's a big crowd out there and there's a lot of noise it was it was fun to watch and it was it was one of the best atmospheres on a regular season game uh, that I've seen in a while. So yeah, I, I said that that night that I thought that you know they were probably thrown off by just you know you have to be so disciplined and so on top of it to beat Riverheads. I mean, it hasn't happened obviously for forty games for a reason. Yeah. Um, you just have to be, you know, you hate to say it, but you almost have to play a perfect game because they're going to do the same thing over and over and over, and and <laughs> the chances of them making a mistake is is so rare, and so that that one time or that, that those two times in the game where they do, you have to yeah. capitalize on it. And the problem is while you are waiting on them to make the, those very rare mistakes to capitalize on, you can't make any in the process. And if you, if you don't capitalize on those, it's pretty much game over because almost any time that you make one, they're going to capitalize. And, yeah. you know, in a weird way, I mean, you know, schools like that, they play against these spread offenses and these, these, you know, offenses that are built around division one players, which, which are great and fun to watch. And, and they, they help those players get to these colleges and they help these schools for, for that, for those players and those personnel. It's great because it, it wins them games, but those offenses also, I feel like allow for a little bit more mistakes to happen for weird things to happen in a game um, where Riverheads is offense is just built in this way where those things aren't going to happen. It, it, yeah. It's very rare that you see Riverheads make many mistakes. And I think that's because, and that's why you see so many schools around here, trying to copy them the best they can because they've seen, you know, the personnel in these schools around here are going to be pretty much the same schools. know that's how they're going to have success. that they're going to, and yeah. continue you know, yeah. to be the picture perfect example of how to do it. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. Well, I'm not going to bog you down with uh, Virginia tech football questions this week because there's nothing <laughs> positive to say at the moment. Uh, but yeah. I will ask you our usual. I know you're back to busy and you're happy to be covering local sports like crazy right now. But when you do get a moment away from the from the coverage from the sports desk there, uh, what are you watching on TV or binging or putting on Netflix uh, in your time away? Man, I have not had had much, <laughs> um, but I've been watching some di- different documentaries recently and. Okay. Uh, the one I uh, just recently watched that that I was a big fan of was actually the Malice in the Palace. Um, yeah, that was good, wasn't it? Yeah, I enjoyed that. I just, I, uh, th- you know, I remember when that happened, at, at, and remember watching it on Sports Center and just thinking how crazy it was. And then I, I just some of the comments by some of those guys just cracked me up. And this, you know, Ron Artest coming into the locker room. You think we're gonna get in trouble? Saying, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I just loved that. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm. It's crazy because I, I cover sports all the time. You'd think I'd get sick of it, but I just love that stuff. I still I'm, I listen to podcasts nonstop. I listen to, yeah. you know, watch documentaries. Um, so yeah, that's 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 the one I, I can think of all the time in my head. Um, yeah. And then obviously my girlfriend has me watching Grey's Anatomy and stuff like that occasionally. <laughs> but you know what? I've kind of gotten into so. <laughs> 
Hey, I, I lived that life. Uh, I've watched a lot of Project Runway in my time. So uh, I, no, no judgment from me. And you take the enjoy when you get out of it. Tim Gunn's a good dude. So, uh, yeah. That's... <laughs> All right. Well, Cody, thanks for coming on this. We're going to get you back on a lot sooner than it was the last time because we have plenty to talk about as this uh, Valley District unrolls this season and, and the bull run, too. So I know our listeners are going to want to know what Stewart's draft has ahead of them. So we'll talk to you down the line here. And uh, good luck with all your coverage and everything. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right. We're back on the D block again. Want to thank Cody Elliott for talking to Leland there. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, where were you? well, scheduling <laughs> conflicts arose and I couldn't make it, but I am glad that he was able to join us and uh, we were able to get that interview and get someone on. He's, a, bu- he's a busy man. We got to take him. Yeah. We can get him. And, uh, Makes he us is sound busy smarter. dealing with with a real job tonight, uh, unlike us, you know, shuffling dinner and and uh, parenting on our ends. But uh, yeah, it's always good to talk to Cody. We we don't talk to him enough recently. He's uh, he was our first podcast guest, and uh, so it was good to get him back on. And you'll start hearing his voice more and more again this fall now that sports are into normal order. Uh, I hate that we don't, you know, now that the Valley District uh, doesn't have any teams from down our way. Uh, there's not as much reason for us to ask him, but I think even more so uh, just to know more about those teams and from a trusted voice up there with the Valley District and the Bull Run. Yeah, it's good to have him on. But Leland, what is dominating your life? I'm on this kick of 90s music. Uh, I've driven a lot lately uh, with some trips down to Bradford and Blacksburg and the lakes over the summer and uh luckily Sirius XM has like three 90s channels of uh right on there that are awesome that I kind of been cycling between and uh my kids tend to do like to like the current pop music like most kids do as they're growing up and uh we let them listen to most of it you know sometimes we have to (laughs) switch the radio or make sure we're we know what we're putting on our Spotify playlist for them to listen to but it's it's fine generally. But then I listened to like the hits that I listened to from pop music and rock uh, from growing up. And it just feels like it was so much better back then. Um, and I know people say that about every generation, but I'll probably start agreeing with them. Cause I think the music even before that was better. You know, when you're listening to old 70 songs that my parents used to make me listen to uh, from, from when they were younger um, it's, it seems like it was even better back then, but uh, I've had missed the nineties music. I've been listening to a lot of, um, Stapleton and and uh, some of the real country that's out there right now that doesn't really get played on the radio. Um, Jason Isbell and um, a lot of the guys that I've talked to other times. Uh, so I've been off off some of the other stuff that I'll generally do. But man, '90s rock and you know from Nirvana to Collective Soul to um, yeah, just all those ones that are so. It's such. It, I mean, rock music was definitely better in the '90s. Uh, not even comparing pop music. Rock was good then, um, and it dropped off somewhere around 2000 pretty hard. Um, but yeah, all of it's good. And even the you know hip hop and R and B that I grew up listening to and rap, and it's good. And this weekend I made the kids listen to it. Uh, some of those other road trips that I actually didn't have the kids with me, but uh, this weekend to and from the lake they had to listen to it, and they got to hear me sing some Hootie and the Blowfish. And uh, some good stuff like that. So uh, always, always fun to expose them to new music. Only once did they ask, "Hey, can we change it to hits one?" And I only had to yell no once. So it was good. 
Wow. <laughs> I can, I just, I like Dua Lipa. I think she makes a jam. Yeah, she does. Every song is Dua Lipa. <laughs> well, she's got a lot of hits out right now. I think she's also got that one with Elton John out now, doesn't she? Yeah, that's a newer one. That's one's played a little less, but she takes some, she takes some of my 90s songs. She takes that, uh, your woman song from the nineties and she has it, uh, remade right now too. So uh, I don't know. I, she, she actually, she can make a banger, but I just, she's who's my woman from channel. the nineties. Uh, your woman, uh, I'll have to play it for you. I'm not gonna start saying it or something, but it's, it, she takes like the main kind of vocal or like uh tune from it. And it doesn't sound anything like the whole song. Isn't just like, remix of that but it's just like it has that in it uh i'll play it for you okay but it's it's i like i actually do like her and uh i like the i like doja cat i like what she's putting out that you got to stay edited only on on those songs for the kids <laughs> and even then subject matter it's, yeah it's yeah yeah but uh <laughs> i just say i don't uh, listen to much doja cat <laughs> both of them make hits well it's what comes on the on sure the, sure on the sure and uh, they, I honestly, I do like those songs. Like they, they're they're good, head popping songs, and they're fun. Um, but man, they just <laughs> overplayed, and I still don't think it's as good as what we grew up with. So, or at least I grew up with. I, you know. Uh, see, when you start talking Bruno sometimes, Mars and stuff like that, that's young. where I'm with you. That's where I'm with you. I don't like Bruno Mars. I think he's highly overrated. I think um, I think Maroon Five's not very good. So Maroon five, I'm not into Bruno. I don't have a problem with. I actually like when he he songs that have that old feel. I like those no. better than the than the other stuff he's made. So um, I don't mind Bruno. I mind Bruno a lot, but yeah, Dua you Lipa, like, uh, Halsey. You like your Halsey? She doesn't have a lot of. Oh, her one of her new songs right now is terrible. Uh see, I haven't listened to a lot of. Good. I haven't listened to the she new has a new album out right now, and I think like the first uh, single off of it. I actually change the channel when it comes on. Wow. I haven't heard yeah. it, so I'll have to check that out. I've been listening to a lot more podcasts on Spotify and not music, so I need to probably yes. change the that. Sports podcast is usually where I live when I'm solo. So. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting, though. And, yeah, I'm with you on the 90s. 90s is great. 90s music is good. I like the 90s because, like, they have the, the kind of the mixed channel where it's, like, it's the rock and the hip-hop and the and the pop songs, and uh, yeah. it's good. I it's all what I listened to growing up. It was good. So. Sure. A little DMX? A little bit. All little right. Bit. Well. Actually, I can't. I don't know if I did hear DMX on one of those channels this week. I was just saying, say if it's edited, probably. Probably not. But D- yeah. probably DMX not. is like 90. He came in hard like 97, 98. So he's going to be right at the end. It's and still I think 90s. He wants, I think he's over there on the, on the hip, on the rap channels more so and the old. Sure. Fly that's, channel, which I have saved too. I like that channel. Yeah, that's also possible. Uh, what's dominating my life is a show on Hulu called Nine Perfect Strangers. Who is Balky on it? Who? Balky. I don't know who Balky. We're Perfect is. Strangers. And this is our generation gap, Joe. This is where I alluded to uh, a second ago with the music that I didn't know if you were right with me with the '90s stuff. But yeah, you don't know you don't know Perfect Strangers from from TGIF. No. Oh man. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say this is something you need to go find because I don't know if it's <laughs> worth all that. But man, 
Balky, he's the man. No. All right. This has Nicole Kidman and uh, Melissa McCarthy and that the actor's name is escaping me, but he's been in some stuff. Um, I wish I knew it, but anyway, it's actually really good. Uh, it's about Nicole Kidman plays kind of a spiritual guru who is transforming these people's lives. They all come in and they all have their own problems uh, that are derailing their lives. And the spiritual guru is going to transform them. Uh, and you quickly realize that there's some stuff going on there that is uh, not strictly speaking legal, but it is, uh, it's a fascinating show. I was hooked since the first episode. Not all the episodes are out yet because Hulu has decided to do kind of the once, one a week kind of deal. And uh, right now they have got, I think, just a few more episodes to go. But I am excited to catch the next one on Wednesday. I think it is. Yeah. Well, I'm going to look into that because you said some names that, that interest me there. So that'll be good. On the Hulu. A lot of, you know, those streamers are, a lot of people are doing that with those once a weekers. And uh, I just started another show on Hulu, but I, I'm not ready to talk about it. Okay. I just need to see more of it before I recommend it. Whenever you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I know that you need to know. Big match in the Premier League coming up this weekend. It is tied for top of the table. Chelsea playing Manchester City. Unfortunately, that is a 7.30 a.m. match on Saturday. So I don't know if I will be awake then, but it has potential to be a great match. Uh, Chelsea will need it to kind of put more distance between Manchester City and the rest of that log jam at the top, which features Liverpool and Manchester United. But... Manchester City's going to want it to kind of bring Chelsea within their grasp and then also just wait for Liverpool and Manchester United to probably slip up. But right now, it's a great chase at the top between Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United, all tied at the top of the table with 13 points. Brighton and Hove Albion right now, a bit of a shocker in fourth at 12, but it's still early. Manchester City's in fifth at 10, and Everton tied with them there at 10, but Everton will fall off eventually. And so will Brighton and Hove Albion. It's early, though. Yeah. All those teams, it'll be Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United, and Manchester City are the four teams that will be at the top of the table. It's just a question of what order. Okay. I can handle that logic. What do All you right. know that I, we need to know? I know baseball's ending, and we, we're not talking about it near enough on this podcast after we do it all summer, but football dominates us. Uh, I saw that the Brewers clinched a playoff spot. And so that means they're probably going to win that division. Um, but it still looks like the Cardinals coming out of that same division is kind of destined to take that last wild card spot. And that's where I was hoping San Diego would get. And San Diego is kind of, you can see <laughs> kind of crunching underneath the pressure right now. And I hate to see it, but hopefully that's growing pains for the future. Uh, Machado and Tatis were arguing uh, Sunday night. You don't love seeing that, but Sometimes you got to get through those things. Hopefully it just kind of washes under the rug and, and we move forward. September does that to teams, especially when you're following the wrong way. And uh, they have a hard schedule. And so at least at least with San Diego, I think you can justify it. Like they're playing the hardest schedule of any of these teams still 
open. I think they probably play in the heart of September of anybody. Um, so that's kind of the reason they're going to wind up there. Um, and it's a good lesson for probably, I mean, we talk about Tatis, he's 22 years old. So this isn't his last chance by any means. And you hope that they can stay competitive and up there. They, they put a lot into getting pitched in there this year. Um, so you hope that they can financially still be able to be competitive after this. I, I'm hearing things on Twitter that makes me think they can, but you do worry about that team uh, that did make a lot of moves for playoffs this year that doesn't look like it's going to happen, them being four games out of that last wild card. Um, but then conversely, I think you look at Philadelphia's four and a half games out, and they're playing one of the easiest schedules down the stretch. And so you got to worry about that um, for Philadelphia. And everybody was talking a lot of positives about Bryce Harper a couple weeks ago, and those have all quieted. So St. Louis, you know, there they are. <laughs> that consistent team of St. Louis, uh, you know, what San Francisco has been a lot of that, you know, every other year, it seems like where they're, you know, a big time contender, but there's St. Louis just still finding ways to win. And, and they, they quietly just seem to always be winning. And um, so that's, you know, we talked so much about the Dodgers and Padres coming into the season and early in the season. And here we are with the Dodgers 15 and a half game up in that wild cards. They clinched that a while ago but San Diego falling out and it, it disappoints me, but we'll live. Yeah. I think the Phillies have a better chance of winning the division than they do the wild card right now. They're only two and a half back of the division. Unfortunately for the yeah. Phillies, they lost the Orioles tonight, which is not mm. great for them Two nothing. <laughs> uh, the Braves, it's still fairly early in that game, but they are trailing the Diamondbacks. So if they lose there, that'll help yeah. the Phillies stay within range at two, but if if that gets out to three games, it starts to get. I mean, you're starting to just get to the end of the schedule, and it's going to get harder and harder the more games back you are. I think the Dodgers probably win the NL West, and the Giants get that top wild card spot. But that'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, the Brewers have won the division. I agree with you that the Cardinals probably find a way to survive and win that second wild card at this point. In yeah. the AL, the Rays have all but clinched that division. So they will win the Yankees, the, the Orioles, if nothing else, this year has been a success in that it looks like we have kept the New York Yankees out of the playoffs. Um, I'm just, I, that's all I'm banking on right now. That's like, that's my win in September for baseball is if the Yankees can get kept out. In fact, you know, I don't want to, I don't want this to get to the wrong person and them to launch an investigation into this because it seems like they're looking for anything to tear down the Orioles organization right now. But I love the fake conspiracy, or the, well, not fake, but I love the conspiracy theory going around Orioles Twitter that the Orioles are throwing games against the Red Sox, Blue Jays, and Rays and only playing hard against the Yankees in the division because we're like 500 against the Yankees and everybody else in the division has basically swept us. So I love that conspiracy theory going around Orioles Twitter that this is all just a grand scheme to keep the Yankees out of the playoffs. Uh, but it would appear the Rays are going to win that division. Boston will win a wild card. The Jays right now are in the second wild card by half a game over the Yankees. The A's are not out of it. Um, the Mariners, not going to make it. There was a brief moment in time where it looked like they had a shot. They're dead. Uh, but there's still, I mean, the Mariners is that team that's been perpetually all way back there. I mean, this is something to build off of that team. I, I hope. You know, having rooted for the Mariners to do a lot of winning back in the 90s when Griffey was there, I, I'd like to see them relevant again. And uh, they haven't been for like 20 years. So it, it'd be cool if 
this can be a building block. I just don't see it, but yeah. I mean, but no, they're not getting the play. They're not getting the playoffs this year. But I'm saying they're going to have a winning season, which they haven't had a whole heck of a lot of in the last 20 years. I'm going to say minimal amount of them. Um, I mean, yeah, they're not as bad as the Orioles, but yeah, they're. <laughs> they have the longest playoff drought. They have the longest postseason drought in North American sports. I'd say they're worse than the Orioles. Yeah. And if you measure it that way, yeah, they're not as bad this year as was was my more my bigger point. <laughs> I don't know. At least we're rebuilding. I mean. We've got the number one hitting prospect and the number one pitching prospect in baseball. I like our future. Okay. I, I started with the fact that I hope this means positive for the future for the Mariners. I think this is a building block towards that. Their, you know, their front office, being... it doesn't. It just means that they got close. Kind of like they do every so often, they'll get close. But they're a franchise that's about 500. That's what they are. They'll be better than 500 this year. Good for them. Yeah, that's a difference. Uh, I, I, as I quickly try to Google this and see when was the last time they they were at, up this high in the final standings. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to give up on Googling that because it's just going to take too many clicks. But yeah, I that's fine. I, as an offhanded comment that you're digging into and try, somehow trying to tell me that the worst team in baseball is better than them right now. But okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> it just you just painted a picture that only an Orioles fan right now could paint. Like <laughs> respect. I mean, you found you found positive somewhere to argue that this team that has 80 wins is somehow worse than this than the Orioles right now. But okay, they had 86 in 2016. <laughs> they followed that up with a 78 win. They had 89 yeah. wins in 2018. They followed they, that up with have- a 68 win season. They have 80 right now, and your team has 48. So I just I, – I think if you think the Mariners are built in a way to continue winning, I would like to be where the Mariners are more than the Orioles are right now. But, okay. hey, maybe they're going to follow it up with a 40-win season. Uh, hey, it's possible. I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to be the Mariners. If you're asking me would I rather be the Orioles or the Mariners, I'd rather be the Orioles. I have a GM who's won a world championship. I'd rather be I'd rather be the Orioles. That's, that's fine. You're, we're if you want to word it a certain way and as a you know franchise over periods of time. Right now, they're better baseball team than the Mariners. So or than the Orioles. I I don't know. That's fine. One of us was no hit when we played. It wasn't the Orioles. So. <laughs> I think the separation of 32 wins uh, is just weighing in my mind a little, a little much. I'm sorry. That's fine. They don't have to play the division we do. They get to play the Texas Rangers a whole bunch. That's fine. And the Angels, who suck. That's fine. I wish I'll, we got to I'll play listen, them. I'll listen to that if they're within 20 games. I wish we got to play them as often 32. as they do. And they had to play the teams we do. So, But... That will, uh, I guess, do it. If you want to close it out, Leland. I'll close it out. I'm just amazed at how that conversation derailed quickly. <laughs> but I give you respect. You found a way. Hey, you, you made a way to find a positive for you. So I like it. Uh, that was our episode of the week for the Exports podcast. As we will be back next week to talk about all the high school football that we have on tap this week. I think all the local teams are active this week. 
and hopefully stay on that schedule this week. So we'll have plenty to talk about. Make sure you're subscribed to us so you don't miss a minute of it next week. At Yak Sports Pod on Twitter and Facebook is how you can interact with us or email in us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. And as I mentioned, subscribing on Apple, Google, and Spotify, always the way to find us. We will be back next week with more Yak Sports Podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.